Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to engage with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness along their individual journeys. Our hope is to inspire you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. I have always been quite outspoken about my dedication to encourage a better conversation among men in regards to their identity and purpose, as I believe there is still a lot of work to be done in terms of both communication and mental health. So when I got acquainted with my next guest and his similar efforts, it was only natural to extend an invitation to be a guest on a podcast. Coach Michael Taylor is an entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, and radio and TV host who has dedicated his life to empowering men and women to reach their full potential by transforming their lives from the inside out. He knows firsthand how to overcome adversity and build a rewarding and fulfilling life, and he is sharing his knowledge and wisdom with others to support them in creating the life of their dreams. He is the president and CEO of Creation Publishing Group, a company that specializes in creating programs and products to empower men to embrace a new paradigm of masculinity, supports them in being great husbands and fathers while also creating meaningful and rewarding lives. On this episode, Coach Michael and I discuss the importance of vulnerability among men, the courage to accept ourselves for our strength as well as our weaknesses, the necessary work to be done to shift the male perspective, and so much more. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 129 with Coach Michael Taylor. Here we go. I come from Haiti. I come from a very traditionally macho society and culture, but I want to be able to push the conversation forward, Michael. And when I connect with content just as yours, so empowering and so genuine and so true as yours, that's why I say it's really an honor to have you on, man. Just so you, just so you know where I'm coming from. And like I'm telling you, it's very just earnest and just, it's, it's really a thrill uh, to connect with you. So again, my friend, thank you so much for being on the pod. It's really an honor. Sure. Well, the current paradigm of masculinity is no longer sustainable. The roles of manhood and masculinity are changing very, very rapidly. And I say for the better. Unfortunately, there are a lot of men who are trapped in that old paradigm. And this is, you know, people in general don't like change. Nope. And so men specifically don't like change. But if you look at society as a whole, if you look at, number one, what has happened with the, the women's movement, this is, this is kind of how it really started. Mm-hmm. Women, made, women made a decision. Look, we don't want to just be home barefoot and pregnant. We want equality. We want to work. We, you know, all the things. So that kind of set things in motion where women started fighting for their rights. Okay? Well, we live in a male-dominated culture. So since the beginning of time, men have held certain positions, if you will, And we've been conditioned to believe that we had two, three, actually three primary responsibilities, Mm -hmm. what I call the three P's, provide, protect, and procreate. Mm -hmm. So since the caveman days, that's what we were ingrained in as men, that's what we're supposed to do. Well, guess what? When the women's movement started taking off, all of a sudden, women no longer have to depend on us for money. They don't even have to depend on us for sex. So the roles start shifting and changing. And so now I think men are going, wait a minute. Maybe I don't want to work 90 hours a week. Maybe if I really love my kids, I'm not going to just spend all my time at work. I'm going to spend some time with them, learn how to connect with them. And unfortunately, a lot of men don't have the tools to do that. And so these types of conversations are so important because it allows men to wake up. It allows men to recognize that we all feel the same, regardless of race, religion, socioeconomic status, men all feel the same. But what we have to recognize is to break free from the current paradigm of masculinity is not an easy thing. No. I've been speaking and writing about men's issues for 25 years. And even today, (laughs) I get a lot of pushback when I start talking about men, talking about emotions and the F word feelings and men like, oh, you know, you're pussy whipped or, you know, they talk about, they call it the pussification of men who want to be in touch with, you know, their emotions. But see, the truth is every man 
every man wants to be loved. And we have some weird ways of trying to get love, <laughs> like buying love. You know, we, we think that if we buy stuff, we, we, we're sharing, showing the people how much we love them by giving them stuff. That's the old paradigm. And so what Rings, I'm... what I'm for coats, what, <laughs> vacations. Exactly. And, and why is that? Because we're constantly bombarded with images of this is what it means to love someone. You know, Zell says, if you love somebody, you buy them a diamond. You know, BMW says, if you love somebody, you buy them a car, you buy them a house. So these are the things that as men, we, we, fall, we fall into that trap of social conditioning. So what I'm suggesting for men who are listening to this is to say, it's time to break free. It's time to wake up. And I'd like to share, if, if this is the point where you want to share, how I got involved in this conversation. Yes, please. So, uh, are we good? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. This is definitely what it's about because you know what? Because I, de I definitely think that you're a champion in that realm because of all the previous interviews that I've listened to you. And I really thank you for, you know, sticking it so hard and so long and fighting for this conversation because, as you said, this is new for men. This is, yep. very, very, this is very foreign for men, even as recent as, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And it was so weird because my wife uh, was at a uh, professional function, if you will. And I got a call uh, from my mother back in Haiti. It was like, oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, their mom is out and everything. So you're, so you're stuck at home with the kids? And I don't know why. <laughs> it just took me back. It's like, what do you mean stuck at home with the kids? It's like, and I understand. I know it, it did not come from a condescending place. But you right. always have to consider the audience, right? Because like, sure. as I said, my parents were very traditional, you know, my father went to work and when he came home and then his dinner was ready and everything, and I'm not taking away anything from my parents. It's just that I know that my chapter in my parenting, in my fatherhood and in my masculinity is a different script. And I write a different script. I am present for my kids. And I'm sorry, I interrupted you. It's just that this stuff gets me fired up. But yes, <laughs> how did you get involved with the movement and the conversation, Michael? I apologize. So at the age of 23, I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids. And by society standards, I was successful. And within about a six and a half year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare. Because I went through a divorce, a bankruptcy, a foreclosure, a deep, deep state of depression. I was homeless for two years, living out of a car. And during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed, looking across the room at my bookshelf, when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf had something to do with getting rich or making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my head. And it was really like a voiceless voice, but I literally heard a voice. And it said, Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? And as simplistic as that question sounds, it literally changed and saved my life in an instant. Something in me shifted. All of a sudden, my depression lifted, and I had this amazing clarity that I was going to be able to rebuild my life, mm -hmm. and it was going to become extraordinary. So as a result of asking myself that one question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money, and I started reading books on philosophy and psychology and metaphysics and spirituality and personal development. So I went on this amazing journey of transformation. And then another question popped up a couple of years later. What does it mean to be a man? Because I had done everything I thought a man was supposed to do to be happy, but yet I had ended up absolutely miserable. So I set out to figure out what does it mean to be a man. And so back in 1995, I was stuck in that question. What does it mean to be a man? And I was in a restaurant and I happened to overhear a conversation between these two young black guys. And they were well-dressed, well-spoken, very intelligent guys. And in the conversation, 
they were talking about the eradication of black men from society. Okay. And it was, it was one of the most depressing conversations I'd ever heard. It was, I mean, they were just so convinced that black men were going to be eradicated from America. And so I listened for a, for a moment. And I walked over to the guy's table and I apologize for eavesdropping, but I looked at one of the guys and I said, man, please tell me you don't believe what you just said. And one of the guys looked at me and he said, absolutely. I definitely believe it. He says, don't you watch the news? He said, I believe in 20 years, all black men are either going to be dead or in jail. And it, it wasn't as much what he said, but how he said it, that literally broke my heart. Because I could see that here's a person that literally had given up on life and didn't think he could control his future. And so I knew there was nothing I could say that would have changed his mind. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, don't believe the hype. And I walked away. But as I was walking away, there was a part of me that said, you have to do something. I had no idea what to do, but there was something in me that said, you have to do something. And approximately six months after I heard that conversation, I decided I was going to write a book. And back in 1995, I wrote a book called Brothers Are You Listening? A Success Guide for the 90s. And I shared my journey of transformation. Mm -hmm. I talked about going to therapy and dealing with some childhood trauma and and, and the impact that that had on me. And, And so this was before the internet was what it is today. And so I sent my manuscript to 60 different publishers, exactly 60, I'll never forget, 60 different publishers. I got 59 rejections. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 59 rejections. I finally got one company that was interested. So I get on the phone and I'm talking to this lady. She says, look, I love your book. She says, but the problem is, she says, and she says, please don't take this the wrong way. But she, you know, she goes into this, this corporate speak and she says, our research shows that, you know, black men don't buy these kind of books. So would you be willing to change the title? And she said, I'd love to publish it. And I said, ma'am, I appreciate that. But I said, you know, that's kind of like asking a person to change his child's name. I said, I said I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do it. I said, because this book is targeted specifically to black men. To black men. And, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I just can't do that. Now, at the time, I really needed the money. I really could have used that advance, but there's a part of me that knew that I would have been out of integrity with myself to do that. And so I stuck with it. And again, I self-published. And did you know that the average book will never sell 500 copies? I did not know that. Yeah. The average book, I think it's something, it's close to 90% of all books that are published every year will never sell 500 copies. Now, okay. Here's the amazing thing. I didn't have the internet. <laughs> I didn't have a marketing team. I sold a thousand books in a year. In one from, year? From the trunk of my car. I mean, I went, I went to beauty salons. I was putting my books in. I had book signings at beauty salons. I sold, I sold books at a, uh, this guy at a flea market. I mean, I was, just a, I was just a madman because I was so passionate and committed to selling this thing, right? You put in the grind. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so that's what started my journey, if you will, into this whole conversation about changing masculinity. It was number one, my own growth, my own willingness to deal with my own stuff, heal my own trauma, go through that. And then I just decided, you know what? I need to share what I've learned with other men to support them in their own transformation. And here I am eight books later, and I'm still doing wow. what I've been doing for the past 25 years. Oh, hats off to you. You can't see me. I'm so giddy right now because this is the true manifestation of all the conversations that I'm continuing to have on this platform in regards to, I'm going to piggyback on it, Michael, because I'm so excited. First of all, what does it say? Despite hardships, living out of your car, divorce, everything you talked about in terms of obstacles and adversity, what does it say? Despite um, the darkness that might be, you know, just weighing on us. What does this say about the power of a decision, the power of a thought? Walk us through that. 
What does that say about waking up and you know what, making the choice to take that next step, Michael? So a couple of things though I want to point out. From a male perspective, there's only two things that will cause us to want to change. One is pain, and the other is what I call divine discontent, which simply means that there's a part of us that knows that there's something just off. We may have all the stuff, the cars, the house, and all of that, but internally, we know that something's off. And it's kind of what you felt when you were at your job. There was something in you that was stirring and saying, I'm not on the right path. So when we as men make a decision that, you know what? Hmm, maybe there's a different way to look at life. And that's when it begins. Now, are you a movie fan? You like Yes, movies? sir. Mm-hmm. You ever, you've seen The Matrix. Yes, sir. One of the most powerful scenes in The Matrix is the red pill, blue pill. Mm-hmm. We get to choose. That is our greatest gift as human beings. We have the power to choose. And so what we have to be willing to do is choose life. Choose life in a way that we commit to ourselves that we're going to live rewarding and fulfilling lives. And when we do that, we've got to be willing to let some stuff go. Like the old ways of thinking about what it means to be a man. So as soon as we make that decision, we make that choice, we take that red pill, then everything changes for us. Now, when we make that decision, doesn't necessarily mean things are gonna be easy. (laughs) But I believe we live in a perfect universe. Everything happens for a reason. And when we commit to our own journey and transformation, everything that we attract to ourselves is there to teach us something. You so it, again, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's just that I was just for some reason you were saying that, and I was just going back to you know some words that you actually shared. There is no growth without adversity. That's something Absolutely. you said. Yes, yes. There is. There is. If it doesn't challenge you, it can't change you. So the universe again is perfect, and so if if you happen to be a spiritual person, and that in no way means religious, if you acknowledge that there is something greater than yourself in the universe. And you can call that something whatever you want to call it. I choose to call it divine intelligence. There's a divine intelligence that permeates the universe. It is this intelligence that causes blood to flow through your veins and causes the planets to stay in perfect alignment and causes a baby to go through nine months inside a woman's belly to come out of her womb in in perfect shape. There's an intelligence that drives all of that. We all have access to this divine intelligence. And when we tap into that divine intelligence and learn to trust that that intelligence only wants what's good for us. With that being said, this intelligence never punishes, never tests us, it simply loves us. And so if you can grasp that idea that this intelligent only, intelligence only loves you, then everything that comes to you is out of love from this divine intelligence. So as difficult as my life has been, and I didn't even go into my, uh, what I call my seven years of hell when I was from age six to 13, where I experienced every type of imaginable, imaginable abuse that a child could go through, I experienced for seven years. But as I look back over my life, I can now see, and I can only see this in retrospect, every part of my life was divinely orchestrated to shape me into the man that I am today. And so if someone asks, you know, would you change anything? Absolutely not. Because if I removed any piece of that, any part of that, I would not be the man that I am today. And so it is that, first of all, decision that I was going to change and transform myself. And then it was a commitment to knowing that I was connected to something greater than myself that loves me and was guiding me to my ultimate destiny. And that's how I was able to hold on for those two years and and two years being homeless, but there was actually an eight to 10 year period that was really difficult. I'm talking, 
I had uh, part-time jobs where I was cleaning uh, outside porta potties. And I mean, it, it was pretty awful. But there was a part of me that said, you know, I'm trusting the universe because the universe loves me. And if I can just deal with this challenge right now, knowing that I'm, I'm here to learn something and to grow from this experience and everything's going to work out, that's how I was able to overcome all the adversity and obstacles in my life. And that speaks so much to, and this is, goes with the second volley of uh, the question I wanted to piggyback on. In regards to when you use the words, I couldn't put, even put it better, trusting universe about authenticity, trusting your vision, trusting, just blind faith. And again, not being religious, but knowing that there's something bigger than yourself that is guiding you on this path of truth and honesty and courage, and let's call it resilience, because no, it must not have been easy. We did not go into the entire particulars of your seven years of hell. And I'm just, just sticking to the fact that when I hear another human being spending two years in their car, and I lived in a, a really small matchbox size one bedroom apartment at some point in my life, that was not easy, but at least I had a roof over my head. You lived in a car. And I'm like, that I, I wouldn't even know where to begin to try even try to understand what that felt like. But here you are on the other end, way down the road and looking back and I'm hearing these true words and not, this is not just a marketing pitch guys for anybody listening into the universe, anybody who needs to hear this, understand that people like Michael are the manifestation that it is possible. It is true. It is genuine. As long as we choose to believe and how powerful is it to remain authentic? Just when that person, the publisher was, was talking to you and saying, hey, you know what? Here's a really nice big check. Just, I need you to change the title. And here you are, courageous enough. And as you said, you really need the money. You could have shortly used it. But you know what? This, is, uh, this means more to me. And I'm going to stay authentic. I'm going to do it by myself. I'm going to stay true to my mission. That is a scary thing, Michael. And this is what, this is where a lot of times, a lot of us stay in that little corner, stay into that job, stay into that relationship. Don't publish that book. Don't start that business. Don't ask for that raise. Don't go for that vacation. Don't, you know, go for that side hustle. Don't try, you know, just to do one push up when, you know, we want to be, to be healthier. You know what? We just stay in the fear and we stay locked down. Why is that so easy? And how do we step out of it? But again, I think I have to admit, I was an atheist for three and a half years. And when I say atheist, I mean, I was not a guy going around, you know, trying to convince people that God didn't exist. In my own mind, I simply decided that there was no such thing. Number one, I'm very rational, logical, analytical, and the God of my youth simply didn't make sense to me. I couldn't get it to fit. Okay. So I just made a choice and the choice actually came from a conversation I actually had with a minister because after my divorce, you know, I was in so much pain. I was trying to alleviate that pain. So I started going back to church, but I was brought up Baptist and there were so many things that I disagreed with, with the Baptist teaching. But again, I was just trying to alleviate the pain. So I started going back to a Baptist church and Things went well for a couple of months, but then I had to start questioning. I started questioning some things. And I remember at one point where I said, you know, I went to my minister and I said, I got to ask you a question. And I said, your answer to this question is going to determine whether or not I stay with your church. And so I put together this hypothetical situation. I said, look, imagine that there are two men born at exactly the same time. One's born in poverty, the other is born in wealth. So they go through life. The person born in poverty is what we would call or label a bad person. He robs, he steals, maybe he even kills somebody. The other guy, the guy born in wealth, he's a model citizen. He volunteers, he donates money, he's just a great guy. So imagine that they both die at exactly the same time. They get to heaven. They get to heaven, they get to the pearly gates, and there's God. And so the guy that was born in poverty, he works up to God. God looks at him, he says, how you doing? He goes, you know, I've got my book of life that I got to go through. So he goes through the book of life and he sees all the bad stuff that this guy's done. And he looks at the guy. He says, ooh, you didn't live a really good life, but I'm a forgiving God. And if you accept my son, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior, you get to come into heaven. And the guy looks at God. He says, look, 
I am really sorry. I mean, really, authentically sorry. And I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And trust me, I, I will be honored, grateful to be able to come to heaven. God said, good, come on in. So the next guy walks up, the guy born in wealth. Looks at God, God looks at him, goes to his little book of life. And he says, wow, you were the model citizen. You were a perfect expression of me in every form. Now, do you accept my son, Jesus, as your Lord and Savior? Mm -hmm. And the guy looks at God and says, well, I got to be honest. I can't lie because you're God. You know, if I was lying, he says, I can't do that. He says, first of all, I didn't even think you existed. So how, how could I ever believe in your son? And so God looks at him and says, well, if that's the case, then you get to spend an eternity in this really hot place called hell. And so I looked at my minister and I asked him, I said, is that how your God works? And he said, yes. He said, that's what's in the Bible. And in that moment, I became an atheist. And I wow. looked at him and I, I said, look, I am willing to spend an eternity in hell because there is no way that a loving God would do something like that. I just, mm -hmm. I just, I, I, I said, I can't wrap my head around that. So I left church and that's when I became an atheist. And like I said, I was an atheist for about three years. So back to your point, um, I think what's missing from men, and I'm, I'm going to summarize it this way. Every human being has a divine purpose. We show up here with some unique gifts and talents. But we get distracted from those talents and those gifts because we get on that societal treadmill and we get stuck. And there's this feeling of, damn, I should be doing something else, but we're too afraid to follow that. Well, once again, I believe the universe is perfect and sometimes it has to take drastic measures to get our attention. For me, the universe said, look, man, you're not doing what you were put on this planet to do, so I've got to take drastic measures. Pow, there's my divorce. There's my bankruptcy. There's my foreclosure. But it was all done out of love. It was done out of love knowing that I had a bigger game to play in this world. And if not for my divorce, if not for my bankruptcy, I would have never started writing books. I would have never became a public speaker. I would have never become a radio and TV show host because I would have been trapped in that old paradigm of what I thought a man was supposed to be doing. So for every man who's listening to this, know that there's nothing wrong with being afraid, <laughs> but you got to feel the fear and do it anyway, because there's something in you. And anybody who's listening to this, trust me, it's no accident that you're listening to this right at this very moment. You've attracted this conversation to you at this moment for a specific purpose. I hope you hear the purpose. The purpose is to wake you up to recognize that you have divine gifts and talents that are within you. And until you acknowledge them and find out what they are, something will always be missing in your life. So rather than focus your attention outside of yourself, remember this adage, if you don't go within, you will always go without. So Ooh. you must be willing to look within. There's nothing outside of you that needs to transform. It's everything that's inside of you that needs to be transformed. It's your beliefs about yourself, your beliefs about the world around you, how you feel about yourself, how you feel about the universe. When we tap into that part of us that is divine, we know we're connected by how we feel. And the feeling is always one of joy when we touch it. Wow. It's, it's a lot to unpack. You're right. <laughs> and for a lot of guys that are probably listening, and there are significant others, and the women as well, because we need to speak each other's languages. You know what? There's, maybe this might help uh, you know why for a girlfriend trying to understand her man better. And this is very important, you know, or children trying to understand their fathers better, you know. I hope that this, com this conversation reaches you how you need it. And what I was, that, something that really hit me um, in regards to how you have to look within. For a lot of people, Michael, you have to admit it's a very scary thing because they don't want to re-experience that pain. 
They don't want to revisit those memories. They just want to move on, forget, and just move on. But what I'm saying, what you're saying, I'm sorry, is that you have to take it in. You have to acknowledge it and you have to use it as your fuel, not to break, but to build is what I'm hearing. Well, let me, let me put it another way. So, you know, Nikola Tesla, the scientist, Mm -hmm. and you know, Albert Einstein, right? Mm -hmm. So two things they said that, well, Albert Einstein said that if you can't explain your topic to an eighth grader, you don't fully understand your topic. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this in a, in a, in a way that even an eighth grader can grasp it. So Nikola Tesla said, if you want to understand the universe, you have to think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. Albert Einstein said, everything is energy. That's just the way that it is. Match the frequency of the reality that you want to create. And there's no way you can't create that reality. And he concluded by saying, this isn't philosophy, this is physics. So if we'll understand a very simple concept that everything is energy, everything in the universe is composed of energy. If we have emotions that are trapped inside of us, what we'll we'll call negative, and when I say negative, I don't necessarily mean bad, but negative energy feels negative, right? Mm -hmm. So if we experience trauma in whatever form and we hold that hurt, that pain, that anger in some cases, if we hold on to that negative energy and don't release it, it literally stays in our bodies. And what it does is it comes out of us sideways in ways that we don't fully understand. For example, if I'm a father and I'm working 80 hours a week and I come home and I'm frustrated and I'm tired and my kids come up to me and I don't want to be dealing with them and they say something and I go off the handle and I scream at them for some reason and all they're trying to do is get my attention, that means that there's some anger that's trapped inside, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an, there's an energy there. So we live in a culture and society that promotes this idea of the quick fix. But true healing is a process. And if we will simply commit to the process of dealing with the trapped negative energy that is inside of us, because it's there, if we will allow ourselves to feel it, we can heal it and it goes away. But for men, that's a real challenge because we have been conditioned not to feel. So what do we do? We think, we rationalize, we analyze. But it is that unwillingness to go from our heads to our hearts that doesn't allow us to to heal. Healing is a process of emotional release. It's letting go of trapped negative energy. And until we release that negative energy, it will fester in us and it will show up in some weird, weird, crazy ways. And so I'm a huge advocate of understanding the importance of making peace with your past. And yes, it is challenging. Yes, it is difficult. But as the saying goes, the only way out is through. Now, everyone has their own journey. And so when I start talking about healing and growing, it doesn't mean that you necessarily had a traumatic childhood experience. You could have had a conversation with your dad and he said he was disappointed in you and that could create a negative experience, a negative feeling inside of you that you carry around your entire life. Because you're holding on to this idea that you're not good enough. And so what we do when we have those negative emotions, we create strategies to not feel those negative emotions. So for example, for me, I had all this negative energy trapped in me. So what did I do? I created this mask called Mr. Nice Guy. Inside, I was filled with what some people call toxic shame as a result of that seven years of hell that I was telling you about. Mm -hmm. 
I created this, I had this feeling that I was defective. There was something wrong with me. So in order to not feel that, I put on this Mr. Nice Guy mask and I became very successful in an attempt to get people to like me. So this process of going within is just that. It's a process, it's challenging, but as I mentioned, the only way out is through. And so anyone who's listening to this and they're struggling with life in general, maybe relationships, finances, health or whatever, I'm going to assert that the reason that they're struggling is because there's something trapped that they're unwilling to deal with. And when they make the decision to deal with it, then everything in life changes. So for example, for me, the most difficult thing that I ever did to start this journey was to gain the courage to simply go to therapy. And as simplistic as it sounds, I went to therapy and my whole life changed for the better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it literally just changed my life in like, Two sessions, I woke up. Now, again, it's been a journey, but see, there's such a negative stigma specifically for men when it comes to saying, I need help, because that's the three most difficult words for any man to say. That is so true. The biggest admission a man can make is actually having to admit that, you know what, maybe I don't have it all this, this, all, all this figured out, and you know what, I might need a hand. Yeah, and so we have to remove that stigma. And so for those who are listening, Recognize and understand it is not a sign of weakness to say, I need help. It is the greatest sign of strength that you could ever show. Because when you gain the courage to say, I need help, then your transformation begins and you begin the journey to authenticity. So destroy the old myth that we have to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders, that we have to suppress and repress our emotions and how we feel. That's the cause of addictions, rape culture, uh, suicides, it's because there's something in us that needs to be healed and we have to be courageous enough to heal. You've also been very vocal about the fact that, you know, you, you reject the entire concept of male toxicity or, you know, toxic masculinity. And yes, we do wear masks as you sit it, because there's a great book also out there that I invite everybody to check out called No More Mr. Nice Guy. It's a very mm -hmm. big, it, for me, it was, a, it was one of my favorite books that really helped me on my journey in regards to realizing that, you know what, maybe I'm not such a nice guy. It's not talk, saying that you're a bad person. It's just that sometimes, you know, always putting that front of niceties and politeness, you know, sometimes can be detrimental to you and your relationships and you become resentful. But um, I really want to thank you for that and letting us know that, you know what, we need to have the courage to deal with our issues and you know what we need to be able to reach out and we need to be able to you know break down the walls and you know put down the mask and understand that you know what if you're tired say you're tired if you're sad say you're sad you know for me it's a whole new dynamic with my kids because i want them to know that you know what i will be there to protect them i would be there to love them i will be there to support them but i also will be to totally vulnerable in crying in front of them and telling them that you know what daddy's sad you know, and that yeah, is but, okay. Absolutely. But let, let's, let's break down that toxic masculinity illusion that the society is perpetuating. Yes, sir. See, there's a lot of conversation. I don't know if you saw that, the uh, Gillette commercial that they put out. Yeah, the Super Bowl uh, commercial, uh, Boys Will Be yeah, Boys. Yeah, and uh, boy, there was a lot of backlash from men saying, wait a minute. The implication, when they said toxic masculinity, the implication is that all men are toxic. Well, here's the thing, and here's, here's a really simple way to look at masculinity. Remember what I was saying about Tesla and Einstein saying everything is energy? Mm -hmm. Well, masculinity is just an energy. It's the energy of doing, doing this. So a woman experiences and has masculine energy. When she's being ambitious and doing things, that's, that's doing this energy. That's masculine. It's not gender specific. No such thing as toxic masculinity. When you see someone that are, are exhibiting toxic behaviors, that's not toxic masculinity. That's a person that's wounded acting out their wounds. So it's a toxic behavior. It's not toxic masculinity. Now, femininity is the energy of being. It's the feeling energy. 
So if I'm a man and if I'm feeling sensitive, that's a feminine thing, but it doesn't mean that I'm a woman. It means that I'm tapped into that feminine energy. So you've heard the term yin and yang, right? Yes, sir. So, so yin and yang is masculinity and femininity. It's just two sides of the same coin. And so what happens is the, the media took hold of this toxic masculinity thing. And anytime there's a person exhibiting toxic behaviors, they label it as toxic masculinity, when in reality, masculinity in and of itself is not toxic. If a man is exhibiting toxic behaviors, it, it means he's disconnected from his authentic masculinity. Because a man that's connected to his authentic masculinity recognizes that masculinity is simply an energy that moves through him or her. So there's really no, in, in my opinion, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. There's only toxic behaviors. And those behaviors are the result of men being disconnected from their authentic masculinity. And that's a conversation that needs to keep happening because you know what? This is not the type of stuff that's being talked around the barbershop or at the garage or in the gym, you know? And right. I have to say that I'm lucky in that sense because I have a core group of guy friends uh, where we're pretty much spread around the planet, but we, we hit it up on WhatsApp. And I can tell you, and I tell this to my wife, the conversations that we have have nothing to do with, you know, with, you know, our, the female gender and everything. It's all about uh, what we're going to in terms of internal struggles. You know, how are we dealing? How are we dealing with work? How are we dealing with, you know, the political atmosphere? How is our health? What are the fears that we're dealing with with the pandemic? Talking, just talking and being very vulnerable and open about it. And it's something that I believe, I hope is happening in smaller circles but you know we're making a joke about it but this is the type of stuff that should be talked around the barbershop you know it's something yeah. that the guys need to start making part of their dynamic because this is going to be a generational thing you know sure. it's conversation like these that need to keep happening and how do we encourage our conversation do we need to do we need to start reading books like yours do we need to you know just open it up with our children do we need to you know call out you know behavior when we see it among our bros like no man like listen like you know sit down like are you okay we need to have a conversation here how what are the best tips you know we're just we're just talking it out michael like how how do we encourage a conversation for moving forward well i actually wrote a book called lessons from a gathering of men how men's work is redefining masculinity and improving men's lives. And in the book, I talk about the power of men's groups. And when I started this process 25 years ago, there was no such thing as men's groups. There were just a few men who were talking about uh, masculinity, like uh, a guy named Robert Bly, who wrote a book called Iron John. Uh, there was a guy named Sam Keen. He wrote a book called Fire in the Belly. And these were men who were beginning the conversation of what was then called the men's movement. Okay. So that movement over the last 25 years has gained amazing momentum <laughs> because when I look now, there is an infinite amount of resources for men who are courageous enough to engage in this conversation. Um, there's Facebook groups, there's Zoom calls. I mean, there's, there's an infinite amount of, of spaces for men who are courageous enough and ready to engage in this conversation. So in answer to your question, the answer is you're doing it by having a group of men who are willing to get out of their heads, into their hearts, and talk about stuff that really matters. And the stuff that really matters very seldom has anything to do with our heads, our intellect. It has everything to do with our hearts, how we feel, what's really going on inside of us. And there's nothing more powerful, nothing in, in my experience, is being in a group of men. And, and virtually, this even works virtually, but it's more powerful person to person because mm -hmm. there's a guy named John Bradshaw. And he was a therapist. And unfortunately, he passed away a couple of years ago. But John Bradshaw said something that really hooked me. He says, in order to heal, 
you have to create an interpersonal bridge with another human being. Now, the interpersonal bridge comes from sitting face to face with someone and being willing to open your heart and be vulnerable and to allow yourself to feel and express whatever that feeling is to that other person. And that other person, if you're in the right environment, what we'll call a safe environment, can, uh, can listen with an open heart without judgment, criticism, or attack. But it gives you the opportunity to get real and to release whatever you might be holding on to. And so, again, it's really challenging for men to get into these environments, but when you do, it's amazing how your life transforms. Because what we find out is we all have the same fears, we all have the same pain, we all have the same joys, but it isn't until we give ourselves permission to share with another man that we can truly heal our hearts. And when we heal our hearts, it opens us up to joy. And that's really, really, really what we want. See, we think that we want happiness and we think that we want pleasure. Nothing wrong with those things, but what we really crave is joy. It is that deep feeling of not only am I good enough, but I'm joyful in the expression of who I am as a human being. When you get to that place, <laughs> trust me, you need absolutely nothing else. You don't Sorry, need man. titles. You don't need positions. You don't need anything but the knowing that you are lovable and that you are loved. Simple yin and yang. <laughs> you have to create that balance. Man, absolutely. That is such a truth. That is such a powerful truth because I know this for a fact. I don't know. I, over the past couple of years, I've been more sensitive and more empathetic uh, to this talk and this type of conversation because I'm opening up my hearts and opening up my eyes and understanding that, you know what, my brothers, my friends, men uh, are, are going through stuff and not just taking the pandemic as because it's the current, you know, flavor of the month. It's just because I know that on a mental health perspective, it's going to be very hard for a lot of people. And it's already hard for men because I keep saying this, men don't talk enough. And mm -hmm. uh, this is the type of platform, this type of opportunity and experience people such as yourself who allow us to actually feel comfortable, feel courageous, feel brave enough and, you know, feel vulnerable enough to actually open up whether it's to our neighbors, whether it's to our friends, whether it's through a text, whether it's through a call, we need to keep the conversation going. You know, I'm going to keep pushing for this and I encourage anyone and, you know, just launching it out, Michael, if people want to connect with you directly, uh, what are the best resources to reach you? Because it's definitely something that we need to keep going. Yeah. Simplest way is just go online, coachmichaeltaylor.com. Epic, epic. Michael, yep. you know, this is a, a truly a gem truly a gem um it's it was something that you know again it's always the wonderful part of making these informal and very impromptu very genuine conversations happen you never know what's going to happen towards the other end but when you come out with such a gem of a conversation i can't thank you enough really first of all it's a pleasure you know just meeting you for the first time and i just love all your content all your previous interviews have always been so empowering but i really want to acknowledge you for everything that you're doing um, I know I've thanked you before, but for me personally, as a man, as a father, as a, as a person of color, I really want to thank you for everything you're doing because it's a truth. There's a truthful and genuine path of what, Le what Les Brown keeps saying that, you know what, it's possible to show that, you know, it's possible to come out the other end. It's possible to come out the, end, the other end of the tunnel, you know, just follow the light, follow your truth, follow your greatness, you know, just believe into yourself. And you know what, you are not just the sum of, you know, of your darkness, but you know what, you're also the concrete manifestation of your successes. And you know what, for that, uh, and so much more, you know, for your books and all your wonderful resources, I can't thank you enough for myself and all the men out there. Thank you very much for being on the pod. It's a really an honor. And at the same time, um, ditto to you, because it takes a lot of courage to engage in these types of conversations. And for you to put together this platform that gives me an opportunity to share 
uh, my story and, 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 and my lessons. See, it's, it's all part of the same collective. So you and I are brothers in this. And again, I acknowledge you uh, for what you're doing and, and how you're putting yourself out there and how you're creating it. You've created this amazing platform. And I love, love, love the title because <laughs> that, that's, that's what it's all about, awakening the awesome because we are all awesome. And so thank you for putting this together and giving me the opportunity to share. I, I truly really believe that. I really, truly believe that. So we're part of the same mission. And definitely, it's never, it's not the last communication we're just going to do. Anytime you want to be back, it's definitely an open invite. Um, running tradition, last question. It's not putting you on the spot. If you listen to past episodes, just a running gag, but a running tradition, just leaving the floor to the guest as an honor through your wisdom. And you've all, even despite all the wonderful gems you've given us, a kind quote, a wonderful thought. You mentioned John Bradshaw, someone I know who's had a particular impact and changed your life in your own words. You know, just leaving out a call to action that any one of us, anyone listening and might need to hear it, can wake up tomorrow and take that next step towards the next level. What can we leave them with, Michael? I will do today what others want so I can do tomorrow what others can't. <sighs> Guys, thank you so much. Coach <laughs> Michael Taylor, you can definitely find him on coachmichaeltaylor.com. Coach, Thank you. Thank you so much for such empowering words, such an energizing conversation. Author, speaker, you know, just head to the main hub, coachmichaeltaylor.com. Guys, definitely worth it. Do connect, show some support. Guys, as always, another episode of The Wicked and the Awesome in the can. As always, stay resilient, chase your dreams, chase your greatness. It is possible. We're all in this together. Thank you so much for your wonderful support of this hey. amazing mission. And I'm sorry, you had something to say? Yeah, yeah, one thing real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. If you will go to all the men listening, if you'll go to a new conversation with men.com, you can get a free copy of my book, A New Conversation with Men. And it is powerful. And it talks about a lot of stuff we talked about today. So if you're really ready to transform your life, no cost to you, no gimmicks, you'll get a free digital copy of A New Conversation with Men. So just go to a new conversation with men.com. I'm so happy we got that in. Definitely. I'll just put that in the show notes on once the episode goes live. So guys, please make sure you check it out. A new conversation with men.com. Let it out. Chase it. Download it. It is definitely worth your time. As always, guys, stay wonderful. Stay true to your mission. As always, stay blessed. Stay resilient. And as always do, stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback. So please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.